Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. That illumination that we spotted in the evening twilight, the small flame that sparked a scintilla of hope, the one that we had laid to rest in the requiem of our loss to the New Orleans Saint, it wasn't meant to light our way. It was simply a reflection from an explosion from the Mayfield Express that almost brought Cleveland its first winning season in over a decade and a potential playoff spot for the Steelers. But alas, it ended in four incompletions and a Ravens victory. Happy New Year, everyone. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me once again from the Houston Outpost. He's at work right now. He's got a little space in his day. We thought we'd knock this out early. You know, Nick, I was treating this game sort of like I treat my golf game. I have zero expectations. The only thing I care about is making a good shot here and there. And that's what I was looking for for the Steve from the Steelers. Uh, it, they met my expectations. Uh, I actually have no hope for par. I was sort of expecting the Steelers to win, but even this paltry offensive production didn't really depress me because I was steeled for it. No pun intended. Yeah, almost didn't really care that much about the Steelers game. You sort of assumed they would win ugly and uh, wouldn't have been shocked if they uh, managed to lose the game. But uh, I feel like, I don't know about you, after that game ended last night, there was definite disappointment. I'll tell you what, it was exciting watching the Browns uh, try to um, salvage the Steelers season and then end it with a... Three incompletions, actually, and then he did complete the last pass just to the, to the other team. But after the game, I don't think I felt the pure horror and dejection and weight of the entire universe on my shoulders like I felt when we lost to the Jaguars in the playoffs last year and the Patriots in the year before. But uh, that's Tomlin. He's probably looking for some information on this presser. Tom, we got nothing for him, man. We need answers from him. But uh, I think we, we felt that horror really – I started – realizing you know the season was ending after the Raiders loss you could do the math in your head based on who we were playing and who the Ravens were playing especially since I really expected the Ravens to beat the Chargers and they slaughtered them honestly and uh then the last hope was kind of eked out against the Saints and that's when I felt the real dread and last night after we lost it sucked but I was with you you know you were hoping for par but you expected that's the way it would end I mean it was a close one down to the wire so that does uh Baker Mayfield really hit, uh, stepped up, and that is going to be a problem for us next year, unfortunately. Well, Where we were rooting for him, and people were. Did you see the guy who was in the Pope outfit in the yeah. in Steelers fandom? That was awesome. It was a, uh, but it's a harbinger of what we're going to deal with next year. 
Yeah, we had Jesus in the crowd too, but I wanted to start with like most of you guys were probably watching more Browns than Steelers. If you're anything like us, sort of kept one eye on the putrid, nearly unwatchable Steelers Bengals game. Just a comedy of errors and boring for almost every second of it, save one drive for the Steelers. But that uh, the result from the Browns game is kind of the worst of both worlds, wasn't it? So, A, they lose, they knock us out of the playoffs. Can't even do that, right? And then. Uh, you also notice that Baker Mayfield is incredible, and he's a rookie. And look, he wasn't able to go down the field against the NFL's best defense and win the game in the last moments there. But he showed time and time again that he's just such a natural thrower of the football. And I know everybody wants to start with him with like the intangibles, and he's he's fiery and he's controversial, and he has all those things, and they're very useful to him. But the number one thing about Baker is that is the actual physical talent. And that's where I start with quarterbacks. And he can really throw the book, the football at every trajectory. Um, he can zip it in there. He has a great touch on the deep ball over and over again. He was going deep on third and six and connecting with guys. Wasn't accurate enough on the last drive when he throws it behind wide open Landry. And Landry tries to one-hand it, of course. But um, – so the worst of both worlds is we're out of the playoffs and uh, the Browns are going to be a problem going forward with Baker leading them. So before we, we start forecasting next year, let's just take a look at this game. It, it was, it was uh, ugly. And as you pointed out, it is the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL and the percentage of drives inning and score third down percentages. I mean, they, they could have handed us this game and we weren't able to muster. I'm not sure you can explain that simply by saying AB wasn't on the field. Yeah, I mean, it was a big part of it. And just a real quick disclaimer for you guys. I'm using Skype on my phone here. So here's our weekly audio reminder that we're out here in the trenches trying to make things happen. So if there's ever a pause, it's just because it's buffering or whatever, because we do use America Online. There are not a proud sponsor, but I digress. Uh, I tweeted this before the game started that or, or right when the game started that the Steelers might be looking at uh, the need for like a 90s style victory. I, I had a feeling that the Steelers were going to score under 20 points, especially when you saw those first few drives and they were just going to need to have an ugly, boring victory where they got it done in the end. And that is what happened. And honestly, I wasn't surprise as a Steelers fan. I mean, you know, it's like clockwork. They're going to play down to lesser teams, but I do think a B being out of the game was, was a bigger deal than we wanted to admit and kind of the domino effect it had on the team. And based on where we were with the, with the rest of the squad um, at that time, I think that there was a huge trickle down. Basically when, when a B was out, we're relying on a bunch of Smurfs to win one-on-one -on -one matchups and they were not getting any separation downfield. I wish we had the all 22 cam, but you saw Ben back there trying to buy time in the pocket a few times and just, he was never releasing the ball. You got to assume they weren't getting open. And also we know who these guys are, you know, Eli Switz, Washington, they all have their role, but the offense for the past few weeks or for most of the season, really, but especially since Connor has been out is you got a B and Juju on the outside. AB is getting doubled every play. If he ever gets singled, you throw him the ball. But otherwise, Juju's working one-on-one -on -one for a lot of the game, and we're taking advantage of that matchup. And then the Smurfs, they get the trickle-down effect. They get linebackers. They get third corners. They get backup guys, and you're able to utilize them situationally. But they weren't able to really generate consistent offense or win one-on-one -on -one matchups throughout the game. 
Yeah, and it was interesting that uh, here we go back to the the run pass ratio where, you know, we ran the ball, I think it was 20, 20 total times. Yeah, 20 rushes for 65 yards. Connor was averaging, well, he ended up averaging 4.6, but he was hitting five-yard chunks time and time again. I'm just curious why we didn't stick with the run game more. It wasn't as if uh, we were so far behind we had to just pass. Yeah, so I've had zero problem with the run-pass splits really for most of the streak when 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 Connor's out because I know Samuels had a good game against the Patriots, and that was awesome. The line was fantastic. I mean, he was running through of like chasms there. But, you know, the run game was horrific against Oakland and useless against the New Orleans Saints and everything. So I haven't had much of a problem with that. But what I think the deal was, I think that they were like – I don't know if Connor was on a pitch count. It really did seem like it. I mean, early they took him out for an early series at some point during that game. And um, I I think they were just kind of getting his toes wet. And that's why I was saying, I think that AB being out, it wouldn't have been as big a deal as if, if Connor had already been playing for a few games and you sort of had a rhythm with him. I know it's maybe not an excuse because when you saw him get the ball yesterday, he, he did make the most out of it, and he did look like James Conner, but I think they were a little trepidatious with him. You would have liked to see a more run-heavy game plan, especially against a defense that isn't exactly stout, and then running and then using play action, but the Steelers don't really do a lot of that. But anyways, yeah, A.B. being out was a big deal. And then I think on both sides of the ball, there we, we warned against this last week, but I think there was a huge emotional letdown. You know, Phil Sims on the on the Sims and Lefko podcast, Chris Sims podcast, he pointed out something that his dad said, a Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Giants, of course. He said that he thinks every team has like two or three games per regular season where they get maximum emotional effort, where they're totally focused in and they're going to give everything they have. And the Steelers just played two of those games in a row, basically playoff games against two of the best teams in the NFL. And then obviously the the Patriots game is super loaded based on our history with them and the Jesse James thing last year. And uh, it it just, I don't care who you are, but I, but especially if you're the Mike Tomlin Steelers playing against a totally hapless Bengals team with pretty much all of their best players injured and their quarterback injured. I like, I just don't think that they emotionally had it in them to get it done. That's not an excuse, but it does happen to everybody, you know? And I think that's what uh, that mixture of of that situation and AB being out without having Connor in the swing of things. I think that is kind of what combined to make the lackluster showing. But I mean, how much of us really care about the Steelers versus the Bengals? This is more about what happened uh, as like as a whole, but well, just yeah. since, yeah, we don't need to go too far into this game, but I thought uh, a couple interesting wrinkles and a child shall lead them. Matt McCrane listed as 5'10", 165, and I think they're giving him 15 pounds. He didn't yeah. look just like Switzer small. He looked childlike out there. I can't remember who was doing the broadcast, but they had one good moment, one shining moment to do said. When they were showing Matt McCrane on the sideline before the potentially game-winning field goal or whatever, they said the guy Matt McCrane is tiny. He looks like the head of a participation trophy out there. <laughs> it was brilliant. That was the only good thing they said. Well, he came through. He came through. I uh, is. he is not the answer. The the guy. You know, I'm not even that worried that he can't make it to the goal line, but he barely makes it to the ten on kickoffs. 
and we don't have uh, the kind of coverage yeah. to uh, ensure that that thing doesn't get taken back to the 50. Credit for him. I mean, he got it done going out there for the first one, which I think was like 32 or 36 yards. I was saying the same thing you said a couple weeks ago about Boswell. Like I almost wish that it was like a 48 yarder so that there's like less pressure. It's more understandable if he misses this. I don't know how you're like, he's a little child. He's obviously what, 14, 15 years old. He goes out on the field and you need to make, this is a 32 yarder. There are other, your high school peers are making this kick constantly. You know who all these dudes are. They're famous. Your Ben Roethlisberger is staring at you on the sideline. By the way, Ben's reaction after the final kick, the game winning kick kind of eked in. It's hilarious. It's going to be the next big, uh, it's going to be the next Ben meme on the internet. Good. I'm glad we could find some humor in that. Yeah. What about the defense? Do you want to go over them a little bit? I mean, they held up the Bengals to six points. I mean, granted it was, they literally have no weapons outside of Joe Mixon. Yeah. And there were a couple of big, uh, big chunky plays, the 51 yarder followed by a 21 yard. I went back and looked at that play a couple of times. It looks like classic last year, but you know, give, give Mixon credit. He wove in and out and he got people out of position turning around. Uh, He's good. He's really good. He's very good, and the Steelers just look hapless. You got Edmonds, who got in the way of um, finally oh, sent the ball, brought him down. But sent the ball, grabbed him by the, gave him another ten yards by grabbing him by the shoulder pads and riding him for another ten yards. But look, as you said, yeah, there were brutal. no touchdowns, no offensive touchdowns. Held him to two field goals. Not much to and and yeah, interestingly, I don't know if I'm, who if was I'm, on the field. I mean. We had uh, so Bostic only took six snaps, and Chicolo had about eleven. So we were really playing with one inside linebacker most of the game. This is probably a conversation for later, but Fort got a lot of snaps. I think he's a free agent after this year. I'd love to keep him and get rid of Bostic based on what the contract situations yeah. are. I don't think you need Bostic. You're obviously going to draft an inside linebacker in the first two rounds. Granted, we told you that last year. Did that happen? Yeah. No, obviously, but. They're, they're, we're obviously going to overdraft a fourth round inside linebacker in the first round this year, and then be uh, obligated to start him. So there you are. But no, in all seriousness, though, the defense has improved over the year. And as much as we don't want to admit it, they were an absolute abomination, an unwatchable piece of crap. And they've turned it to a defense that sometimes gets some stops. You got to give them some credit for that. And uh, they did play well. They held a crappy team to six points. And that's what we expect because we've seen this team lose to Glennon before and all kinds of terrible quarterbacks and terrible offenses. So they did a good job. They did their part. The Browns and Baker did not. So let's step back from this game and just take a a 30,000 foot view of this past year. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? N- not to ruin your segue, which was nice with the trumpet solo too there. I will say that that whole game came down to one play was the redemption of James Washington on that 46-yard catch or whatever it was, which uh, Ben said after the game, that was the identical play that Washington missed against Denver. And Feetner called it in from the sidelines, and he asked Ben who he wanted to run the route, Juju or Washington. And he said Washington. And honestly, that's, that's an incredible way for Washington to end his season. I still have a lot of concerns about him. I mean, he's a deep threat wide receiver who's not fast and he can't jump high, <laughs> but he has shown the ability in preseason. And then with that great catch against the Patriots, he's shown the ability to grab the ball out of the air. And he's, he's shown it. I wouldn't say on a consistent basis. Cause it wasn't 
in the regular season, but in the off season, he was doing it all the time and he did show in a huge moment this year. So that's what a great way for that guy to end the year. And that, what was that drive? Four plays. And then we threw the screen to Juju and Juju made a man play, a number one receiver play, a, a play we've seen Antonio Brown make 20 times in his career, scoring that touchdown from the 11 yard line, throw the screen, make the guy miss score the touchdown. That was a nice drive. And I think that was the difference in the whole game was the big pass to uh, Washington and then finishing the drive. I think, uh, I don't know who to give credit to this. I give, I'll give it to Ben. I mean, he has shown that propensity in the past to go back to a guy who's just, who's just flubbed the play or um, just screwed something up. And he's gone back to him as a confidence builder. I mean, shows yeah. confidence. Yeah, you're right. Pass to Washington. They- and then he made the the even better catch was the one over the middle for the first down where he jumped up. He ended up hurting his leg or something like that. But that's where he grabbed it out of the air over a guy. And that's what we're looking for because what what this game showed is, A, I'm, I'm very excited about the competition for the receiver room next year. So much better than where it was this year after we lost Martavis. But you can't rely on those Smurfs to, to, to be like a real number two. You need somebody who can play on the outside. And Washington's going to have his fair shot at that. Uh, also, it, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the, the pick six. I mean, this game was terrible. <laughs> the fact that that happened was gross. But Ben thought he had a free play on that interception. That's why he was visibly upset after the play for a while because the Bengals did go offsides on that play. And he thought he had a free one. Now, still, it was a bad pick either, either way. But Ben and Aaron Rodgers are kind of the two guys who make these huge plays off of the offsides. When they go offsides, they're going deep either way. So there is an argument to be made that that was a little bit fluky, but it sucks that on the day he breaks 5,000 yards passing, he heads to the interception total as well. Yeah, sure. Well, I didn't miss an offsides. I mean, I, I'm just, uh, apparently it's even if, common. even if, yeah, I, I get it. And I, I can see why refs uh, offic- officials don't get the, the PI and those kind of things on the sideline, but yeah. the offsides, you just see if any, I mean, it doesn't look that difficult. I mean, how do you miss a charger's right tackle starting a full eight seconds before the rest of the guys? I don't know, but here we are. All right. Well, let's move on and do our uh, 30,000 foot view of the year. Yeah, so I think I woke up this morning, I I cried, I ate some breakfast, I cried some more, and now I think uh, there's there's some continuity between the themes from this year and the story is written, and the number one point I wrote was it was a total irredeemable failure. It was. There's no other way to look at this. There are things, by the way, just a little preview, guys, there are brighter things at the end of this segment. But you can't deny that this was a waste of a prime year. You had almost 100% health by the end of the year. You have – how many times do we have to go over it? I mean, Hall of Fame quarterback, basically a Hall of Fame caliber offensive line, if you could send them in as a, as a unit. You have the best receiver in the NFL. You have another top 10 receiver. You have two top 10 receivers. Le'Veon Bell leaves, and you get – you know, 80, 90% of his production for 10% of the cost. I mean, Le'Veon Bell made more in one game than Connor makes in in the season. And you get all that production back. Great argument to not sign a guy for that, despite how unbelievable he is. But anyways, it was just, you know, the further you get into this killer B era, you know, the older everybody's getting and the less mulligans you get. And there were a couple of years where the killer bees could never make it through the playoffs. You always get an untimely injury to Ben or Brown or Bell or all of them, perhaps. And, uh, and you know, 
it sort of it, it sucks, but you're like, all right, we still got next year. You're getting less and less. We still got next year's with these guys getting a lot older. So that's why I say it was a it, it was an irredeemable failure, and it was a, a largely unenjoyable season to watch. Besides that six game winning streak, I mean, losing the last, you know, losing these four games at the end here, all by three points, one of them by seven when you're on the one yard line, choking, blowing fourth quarter leads, I believe in all of them. It, it was tough to watch them squander this. You also know that if they got in the playoffs, they sincerely could have made some noise because there were some things that this team was doing very well at the end of the season. And I've never seen the NFL playoffs, particularly in the AFC, so wide open. And that's not going to be the case next year. So that's why this year was a, uh, a little bit of a stinker. So at the risk of sounding cliche, you, you have to win the games you're supposed to win. You can't lose effectively lose to the Browns in the first game. You can't yeah. lose to, to, well, the Ravens, I, I can understand that, but the Broncos and the Raiders and, yeah. um, and you, you expect to beat somebody like the Patriots or even the saints and, and even coming close to the charges, you will win some of those, some of those games. All we had to yeah. do was win the wins. We were the games we were supposed to win. And That's as you were pointing out, I mean, we, the, the, the playing down again, another Mike Tomlin cliche, the playing down to the opponent is, is just wearying. Yeah. I think he now has a 20 and 12 record versus teams under 500, but I do think that, but he's like the second most winning coach behind Belichick. So it's not like he loses to everybody. It just shows he, you know, the sample size is large enough to the playing down and, the story of this season, there's a couple of, I wrote some bullet points later here that they make themselves very neat and organized, but really the story of the season is exactly what you said. I mean, right now I'm just thinking about Oakland, Denver, and the Cleveland tie, the Tyrod Taylor version of Cleveland. And if you win those, you take care of business, which you should, then you're fine. And you're able to go 500 or whatever it is against the really good teams. Cause you're right. Like you're going to hopefully beat a new England or a saints, but you also might lose to one of them. And that doesn't mean you're a bad team. I mean, that's what happens against good teams. And they, uh, they pooped the bed, man. And what's frustrating is the sample size is, is huge. I mean, this is consistent. There's no great way to explain it, but they do this every single year. And this year it, they really paid the price for it. And last year they got away with it. So. Yeah, right. I mean, that that 13 and uh, three record, it's it, it's not um, misleading. It, it it was a 13 and three record. But, man, right. so many times it felt like Chris Boss was throwing out the life of the end of games. But, you know, as you said, we, we got it done. A lot of those those losses from this year, three point, mainly three, three to six point losses, but couldn't Crazy. seal the deal. Yeah, I think we had an average of four point six uh, points. Um the differential or whatever, but yeah, like we said before, it's the, it's the collapse at the end of the season, at the second half of the season. That is so unstealers. Like for the last seven or eight years, they go seven or one and six and two over the end of the season. That was not the case this time, but the, the, the margin between being a great team and being a, a middling team, like we ended this year, it's so thin because you're right. 13 and three went 13 and three last year and they won the close games. And they usually were on some Boswell game-winning field goal. There were like three games in a row he did that. And usually that field goal was set up by an absurd play from Ben to A.B. Like in the first game against the Browns last year, the, the like third and 15, he throws it into triple coverage and A.B. comes down with it. Or his amazing sideline catch versus the Packers or the catch and run versus the Colts. All of those Chris Boswell field goals were set up 
by these sort of miracle plays. Even when we beat the the Patriots and didn't get credit for it, the little drag route to Juju for 60 whatever yards. So it just shows you the Steelers got it done in those close games last year, and they couldn't get it done uh, uh, this year. And that's why they ended up 9-6-1. and one. So you and I agree that there there was an uptick in the defensive performance, especially defensive line. And TJ Watt actually coming above the line uh, from where he was last year. Yeah. But this is still this is still something held together by bailing wire and masking tape. Yeah, I mean the defense is the big story, but let's uh, let's see where it starts. It starts at the top, and everybody wants Tomlin gone because, well, first off. I mean, he didn't have a good year. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. Do I think the guy should be fired? Absolutely not. I mean, there's not another person out there that I think is tremendously better. And like I said, I mean, does he, did Tomlin throw the interception at the one yard line against Denver? Did Tomlin fumble at the end of the game versus the Saints? No. I mean, he put them in position to win those games. Then the narrative of his season would be completely changed around if some players hadn't executed when they, when he put them in position to execute, you know? I do think that it's still his fault for the fact that why did we lose these games to terrible teams every year? But he's his biggest mistake to me was what we said in the offseason, and that was keeping Keith Butler. And like I said, they improved, but there's just too many examples of when they blow it, like being in nickel coverage at the goal line against the Saints when the Saints have a bigger package in. Just the Keenan Allen fiasco and then just the total inability to build the defense is what kills me. It's not always a game by game thing, but what do we have eight consecutive first round picks on defense and two of those guys ended up being good players. And um, like it's just they would have good games. But then they choke in the fourth quarter, and all of those losses at the end of the season, the defense would give up a drive with the game-winning drive at the end of the fourth quarter. So situationally, they were so bad, even if they played okay during the course of the game. So we had some um, we had some bad luck with penalty this this year, and I was just looking at statistics. I think we there's another league-leading statistic we can point to, and we had we'd improved that for the last four games, and then yesterday reverted back to our old ways. Yeah, penalties is in like I, I was going to try and list that later in, in way far down as a very minor detail on on the story for this season. But you're right, the penalties and the sloppiness on the Steelers part was terrible in the first half of the season and it caused uh, some some big issues, but and then there were I mean, football more than any other sport has it just has a higher degree of luck involved because it is an odd shaped ball and it literally bounces in weird ways. And then there's calls that can affect games. I mean, the, the calls against the Chargers and the Saints were gargantuan. And I'm, I just can't I can't believe how anybody reporting in that Saints game doesn't think that giving a team a free 50 yard touchdown on a fourth and one turnover isn't a big deal. I mean, it's a huge deal. The Steelers should have still won that. Ridley shouldn't have fumbled. But look, when you're they didn't give themselves enough room to win those games because you're going to get some penalties that go against you. And if that's what you're relying on, then, you know, you made your own bed with those losses to Oakland and Cleveland and Denver, like we said, but I'd say, so Tomlin's a big story of this year. 
of how why are they nine six and one just the inability to build a defense i hated the josh Dobbs over the landry jones decision in the offseason reared its ugly head against oakland when tomlin's biggest mistake of the year keeping josh Dobbs in thinking that you can beat that the the raiders while you're handicapped and not getting it done i think that was uh, we all think that's a dumb decision because ben was ready to go on the sidelines but also, I think that if you kept Landry, you would have actually maybe scored three points and been okay there. So you can go all the way back to the offseason. We said you need to keep Landry because you're a team in a Super Bowl window. You're not trying to build like, oh, let's get Russell Wilson's backup because he's going to be here for 10 years. No, it's dumb. So the second thing, biggest story of the season is just the turnover battle woes. There's just too many picks by Ben on offense. And then the defense is completely unable to acquire turnovers. James Conner had a couple late game fumbles. And it seemed like every time the Steelers were going to try and close out a game, they would turn it over late. And, and I mean, 16 picks is too much for Ben. Bottom five team in turnover differential with like the Jets and a bunch of other in the Cardinals and teams like that. I don't know. I still don't, I'm, I'm not sure how you, uh, how the defense is supposed to pick it up. Other than, as you said, that's sort of a serendipitous situation, but they're so low, you sort of you do have to attribute it to Keith Butler. Yeah, I mean, Keith Butler, let's hope that's one of the positive things that's uh, hopefully going to change in the future here. But, um, I mean, some of it's Kevin Colbert. I mean, drafting spark guys. This this game against the Bengals was was depressing for one standpoint. If you look at Terrell Edmonds versus Jesse Bates. Our first round draft pick, yet another time the Steelers have drafted a third round, borderline second round player at best in the first round. Take it back to Artie Burns. When you had guys who were actual football players like Jesse Bates, Justin Reed, available at the spot, you picked this guy, but you wanted to pick the athlete, the spark score number. And you saw the difference. Terrell Edmonds gets turned around by a running back who runs a 4-5, and Jesse Bates is breaking up passes left and right. And so Colbert's got to get some of this blame too. So the turnover battle is a big deal. The third big thing I put was just the fourth quarter choke jobs. And there's not a great way to explain this, but there's the timely fumbles. Obviously Ridley had the big fumble. Juju, our, our pride and joy. You can't deny the fact that that was a, it's a very bad fumble against the, the saints to end that Connor, the fumble in the first game against Garrett, he's had multiple and then Ben throwing the pick on the one yard line and then the defense giving up game winning drives like four losses in a row, even when they had played deep, decent in the game. This season was lost in the fourth quarter of games when really the team was dominating for three and a half quarters. How, how much do you think Boswell's will contribute to the losses? How, do, how much do I think Boswell contributing? Yeah. Yeah, a lot. I mean, the, the losses were so close, especially mixed extra points and, and um, field goals. The losses were the lo- longest, uh, the widest margin is seven points. Sorry, I'm I'm looking why I'm. Well, no, but when you say, but you're totally right. It's not like we were there were you know kickers going to miss a kick sometimes, but against Cleveland in the opener, if I'm not mistaken, he missed at least a field goal and an extra point. If the extra point would have won the game, you could have that against Denver or I mean against Oakland. He was brutal. And then he Charlie Browned it on the last play of the game on a very makeable field goal. Last year, you had the best kicker in the league. Ice water through his veins made game winning kick after game winning kick. And this year you had the worst kicker in the league. 
not being hyperbolic there. He missed more kicks than any other player. So that was a huge deal and a big difference in this in, in the season. So those are kind of things. Just wrapping up nine, six, and one. You had Tomlin with a lot of his decisions. You had a turnover battle, the turnover battle woes. Ben threw too many picks. Obviously, you wouldn't be anywhere without Ben throwing all the touchdowns and the yards he threw for, but can't have 16 interceptions, especially when your defense can't buy an interception to save their life. Then the third big thing was the fourth quarter chokes. The fourth big thing was the kicking woes. And the five, the fifth, and this is sort of a, an add-on is, is the bad luck with the penalties. And I kind of incorporate that into the fact that that that's not really a, a big reason. Cause you should have had room to, to deal with those and you didn't give it to yourself. So. All right. As much as the loss has been depressing, I think the other very depressing thing is we've got nine months of off season. <laughs> and uh, yep. so I don't want to get ahead of our. So we're going to be talking, lot draft that are coming up, but let's just do a, a quick synopsis of what, what's coming up in 2019. So 2019, I'm going to be totally honest with you. This end of the season, I feel better than I felt after they lost to the Jaguars because when we lost to the Jaguars, I didn't see how the team could get much better. I knew you weren't going to have Shazier going forward and you have no money to spend on extra players. So you're going to return that same defense who got carved apart by Blake Bortles throwing to wide open fullbacks in the flat this year. I feel totally different. I know people are getting older, but the 2019 team is going to be better than 2018, at least on paper. I think the Shazier and bell losses were huge, both on the field and then off the field from a money standpoint, you had like $24 million just laying around that you didn't get to pay. Obviously, Love that Ryan made his 10 million for the year. Thank goodness. But it does affect the way you're able to go get other people. And now you can prepare for life without them and hopefully make a, an actual splash and free agency to bolster a completely returning roster for the most part. I know you might lose Foster, but you obviously got Finney who you can plug in there. And luckily we have Mike Munchak who develops linemen left and right. Also, I'd say last year we, in the off season, we said, how can the Steelers improve? It felt like crap because the Steelers should have won the Super Bowl last year, too. You felt like they had a good shot. And then and if, if they were that good, how are they going to get better? Well, we said, I mean, if Feetner can improve the offense, there were some real issues with Haley, then you're going to have a better team. But we just didn't know if he could do that. Well, he passed that test with flying colors. He had the best red zone offense in 15 years. So if Feetner can make the, the offense that much better, it, they just needed to be a little bit better. We said, like, you know, they got all the players in the world. If they could just be a little bit better in red zone and third downs, we'd be very happy. Well, they were. And if he could do that for the offense, then the new defensive coordinator, assuming Keith Butler gets canned, he should be able to do the same thing for the defense, get them a little bit better, especially since you're returning everybody and you have some money to bring in a free agent. So I would also say the big, a, a huge thing you look at when you're, like examining a team, how much are they getting better is you want to see how the sophomore players are doing. When a player is a rookie, you give them a pass. I'm giving Terrell Edmonds a pass this year. You hope you see flashes like you did last year from Watt and the boys, but you give them sort of a pass. You want to see them make that jump in the sophomore year. And this was a home run for the Steelers because you have three stars, maybe even superstars in Juju, TJ Watt and James Conner. So those were guys you weren't counting on having those type of superstars. I know some people were high on TJ Watt. I liked him, but he broke out halfway through this year. Juju broke out this year. They all exceeded, like they blew their rookie seasons out of the water. And Connor 
he's a great back and he's going to come to camp healthy this year, as opposed to last year. That's big. I'm saying that's big. Yeah. I'm with you. You also have to to assume that the the, kicking is going to improve because it can't get worse. I mean, I don't want to say that we had Scobie before, but Boswell was basically Scobie too. He ended the Scobie era and he brought it back, but you were the worst kicking team in the whole NFL. So if you just get a little bit higher than that, you would have won a lot more games. You got to assume that's going to work. I think the wide receiver room is greatly improved. Last year, Eli Rogers tore his ACL in the last game. You didn't have Switzer. You were you lost Martavis for a rookie wide receiver who you didn't know what he had. Well, this is a competitive room. You got superstars on the outside. You got Washington making a bid. You're going to keep – I don't know if you keep both Switzer and Eli, but either one of those guys is a great piece to have, and you can add someone else. I also think the last big reason for optimism is the Steelers were humbled. I mean, this was a brutal – people don't like this team right now because they blew it. They crapped the bed this year. And the Steelers, in my opinion, are much better as the hunter as opposed to the hunted. And I do think that there's a lot to say for that, and they're going to go in very hungry and angry into this next offseason. And that, that says a lot. You know, it's interesting. The Steelers are, are pretty emotional. And I, I don't – I didn't really put much stock in momentum and emotion as is, is, – uh, much as I do today, because they're not like they're not stoic in a way that they come out and they do their business. Like you were saying, they let down pretty easily after a game. They look ahead, which, yeah. you know, there's clear evidence last year. And you sort of wonder if that was going on this year with the three yeah. losses in a row, four losses in a row. Right. <clears throat> you sort of assume it happened today. Right. They said they're not concentrated on the Browns game, but they definitely are concentrated on the Browns game. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they had iPads on the sideline. You know, you never know that, um, that being said, so hopefully with the humility comes a little more sharper focus next year. I think it will. And those things are a little nebulous. So I don't like to just say, you know, from an emotional standpoint, that's why I'm judging the team, but I just gave a bunch of reasons why the roster is going to be better next year. Also assuming you got to make a big splash in free agency. That's going to determine a lot of what I think about this team. You got to actually get a real player. Some people say the Steelers aren't aggressive in the off season, um, I don't know if that's true. I mean, look at last year. The Hayden and Vance McDonald additions were enormous, huge. Trading Martavis Bryant. I didn't like the move. It turned out amazing for the Steelers. So I they tried to trade up to get the linebacker, Rashawn Evans, from Alabama in the draft. It didn't work out. And then there really were no other first-round linebackers available at the time. So they took a third-round safety. Totally. Great job. But they got to make sure they make a splash in free agency. They got to hit a first-round pick again. I think they need to look to trade up in the draft if the opportunity presents itself like a Derwin James falling or something like that. Because I think teams that are rebuilding should trade back. They should get more picks, get more players. I think teams in a dwindling Super Bowl window like the Steelers – trade up because you might be one or two pieces away from a championship and you're going to need to trade up in the draft to get a stud like that. Sometimes, obviously we've seen people fall to us up, up, over and over again with DeCastro and some of those guys, Shazier. Just as the Steelers look to improve next year, I think you also have to be looking at the fact Browns are definitely improved. Oh, yeah. uh, there's no reason to not think that uh, Baltimore is going to be just as strong next year. Yeah, the schedule is brutal. You, I mean, I'm sure the Bengals will improve a little bit. They just fired Marvin Lewis, actually, by the way, before this podcast. 
Um, so that should help them, unfortunately. But the AFC North is going to be tough as hell. I still think the Steelers are the most talented team out of the Browns, the Ravens, and the Bengals. But Baker's the real deal, and they get a whole offseason. And uh, they are the Browns, so you never know. But they're stacked with talent. So are the Ravens. You're going to have to find a way to win those games. And then you play the Rams, the Seahawks, the Chargers. All of those teams are coming back. Patriots, Colts. Playoff teams left and right. You have to take three trips to the West Coast, to the Chargers, the Niners, and the Cardinals. We know how much the Steelers love that. So that's why it's frustrating this year that they didn't take advantage of, of you know, the landscape. They did play a brutal stretch at the end of the year. But, it, you know, this stuff never matters with the Steelers because the Steelers still can be the most talented team at the end of the day, one of the top talented teams in the league. And I think that they go into next year more talented with a little bit more space to make moves in free agency in the draft than they came into this year. So I'm looking for them to be a, I mean, the future in the immediate future, I do think is brighter than it might feel at the moment. Although we know the clock is ticking fast. It's interesting looking at uh, the ESPN highlights this morning. The uh, so many, as you mentioned, Marv Lewis fired Vance Joseph from Denver, Adam Gase from Miami. Miami. I mean, there are, yeah, yeah. And a lot the, of uh, uh, openings. From the Cardinals. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see Tomlin in those, and I don't think you should. So I got to run. I got to go uh, handle some some business, if you will. But uh, right. Steelers fans, we will be back. Um, I assume they're just going to cancel the playoffs because no one wants to watch this crap anyway. So we'll talk some Steelers next week and uh, maybe get out some Instagram videos and stuff like that. All right. Thanks for joining us. Check us out as, on Instagram, as Nick said, at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on our website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. 
visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.